I love a good story, especially if it's a God story. And I have a special story for you today. Hi, I'm your host, Jody Caracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America and International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. I am so excited to introduce to you today one of my favorite people, a special friend and a mighty woman of God who has more energy than an Energizer bunny. Marlene Yo is the founder and executive director of Somebody Cares New England, just outside of Boston. She's the pastor of Community Christian Fellowship in Haverhill, Massachusetts, and she has founded a ministry of healing and deliverance called He Cares for Me. Marlene has also authored three books and has a fourth one in the works. So I don't know how you do it all, Marlene. You are a busy, busy woman. Marlene is passionate about prayer. She is passionate about God's presence, and she desires that his kingdom will come and his will would be done on the earth. With all that she has accomplished, you might think that she can walk on water. (laughs) I haven't seen her do it, though. But there's always so much more to the story. I know that there is more to her God story, and you are going to be riveted by what she has to say. So welcome, Marlene. Hey, thanks for having me, Jody. It's a joy to be with you. There is so much to your story. We're not going to be able to go into everything today, but you've written about some of it in your first three books, and they have some really interesting titles. So before we delve into what we're going to talk about today, I just want to allow you to summarize what's in those books that you've written so far. The first one is called Where is God on Tuesday? Yes. We could talk about that all day, but briefly, (laughs) what's it about? Okay, so I was at a Somebody Kiss Summit in Texas, and I spoke at the session that I spoke at, and I made this comment. I said, it's amazing how on a Sunday we're encouraged, we're blessed, we're pumped up, and then by Tuesday we're wondering, where's God? And Katie Stevens wrote on a napkin, she said, what a great title for a book. Well, I had no book on my radar. And then another person at the summit said, hey, God told me that you're going to write a book. So I got assigned the title. (laughs) And basically what it means is this. As a believer, we go get the word of God in our heart. We, we worship. We do all the things that we know to do, and we feel strong. And then we walk through a dark place in our own personal life, and all of a sudden we wonder, where's God in it? So I wrote about some of the very difficult, challenging things in my own personal life, beginning with my first chapter, which is home is where the hurt is. So mm-hmm. I talk about the family dynamic, what I was raised in in an alcoholic home with a bipolar mother, and the challenges that I faced, but then also the journey as a new believer, the things I had to overcome. So that's what book number one is mostly about, my personal journey to overcome. Your second book took a little turn. It is called He Cares for Me. So there's a scripture verse, Psalm 142, and David is in a very dark place. And he says, basically, no one cares for my soul. But in reality, David writes that God is the one that cares for us. And so basically that book was birthed out of a tragedy that happened in my personal family life with one of my children. That tragedy brought me to my knees, desperation, calling out to God, where can I send my child for the help that's needed? And searching out to the body of Christ, who is really offering deliverance and healing? Now, over the years, I've been to many conferences, which are all beneficial and have been wonderful in my life about healing and deliverance. I learned a lot. I experienced a lot. But I never came away from them, and I'm not faulting the experiences or the the conferences, but I never came away really feeling equipped as a minister now to minister deliverance to others. And so when I was crying out to the Lord, I found a ministry in the middle of the country. He would have had to fly there, 
very expensive, $1,200 for four days of ministry, hotel, food, miss work, everything. Would have cost him over $3,000 for the whole enchilada. And I thought, really, Lord, only the rich get to be delivered? (laughs) (laughs) And I heard the Lord speak to my heart and he said, I want you to do for others what I've done for you. Mm. Now I'm talking to him about my child and the Lord's talking to me about his kids. So I sat down at my computer and I started writing out, what has the Lord done for me? And it's been a journey. It's not, it's not like a weekend. Yeah. And so I wrote it out and it turned into a manual, a training manual to train people to learn to do the work of the ministry, which is deliverance and healing. Because we know it says in Luke chapter four, he not only came to preach the good news, but he came to set the captive free. Amen. So we're pretty good with sharing the good news, but we don't feel as confident in deliverance and healing. So anyway, wrote the manual, gathered together some believers who had also expressed a desire to learn deliverance and healing for their own personal life, for their family and for their church. So it's in now seven years old. It's an LLC. It's a 501c3. The whole goal is to train people to do the work of the ministry. And so there's many chapters in the book that will help people to identify their own areas where they need mm-hmm. deliverance, and it gives them the tools to do it. Here's the interesting thing about it, Jody. It's not a counseling ministry. We don't counsel people. Yeah. The Lord told me that he, I was to do for others what he'd done for me. What he'd done for me is he walked me through trauma in my life. And as I released and forgave and let go and forgave myself and blessed and did the things that I wrote about in the book, I got deliverance. Mm. As a matter of fact, when I went for an appointment uh, with a minister that's very well known in the deliverance ministry realm, they said to me, well, the Lord already told me that he's ministered to you in five areas of brokenness in your personal life. So do you want to share with us what the Lord's been doing? So instead of me getting deliverance that day, they asked me, what's the Lord been doing in your life? So basically, it's training people to really lay hold of the hem of the garment and experience deliverance for themselves. Too often, we look at for everybody else to do it for us. You know, I love that it's so practical. Oftentimes, we hear these principles taught in real religious language or just conceptual and not practical. And I love that you're bringing this down to a practical level that every believer can lay hold of and apply to their life and minister to others. Yes. Well, it's our calling. Salvation, healing, and deliverance. That's our calling. We're all called. Your third book has an even interesting title as well. He's looking for a donkey to ride into your city. In 1999, um, I watched a transformation video and it rocked my world. If people don't know what that is, you can find it through the Sentinel Group. And I watched the very first one and I was alone in my basement. A friend of mine said, I think that you're really going to like this. I think that God's going to use this in your life. Well, by cracky, he did. (laughs) And alone in my basement, I went into travail. I had never experienced travail and intercession before. I had never felt broken in my heart with what breaks God's heart. And basically what happened to me when I watched that video, I saw documentation videos of real people testifying the depravity, the brokenness, the disgusting condition of their city or their country, and how a few got together, repented before God, humbled themselves, cried out to God, and God came in such miraculous ways. You're very familiar with all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, So after watching that video, what happened to me is I went from being a church person to a kingdom person. That expanded my heart that God so loved the world. It wasn't just Marlene Yo and her family and her church the world. Well, I didn't have a burden for the lost. I didn't have a burden for the world. I actually would have said and did say, I'm quoting myself, to people that would say to me about evangelism, I'm not called to the lost, I'm called to the found. Yeah. 
<laughs> I've said that before as well. <laughs> so God anyway, us, doesn't he? <laughs> oh boy, praise God he does. So he sent me literally to a city that wasn't far from my home, um, a city I, I did not grow up in. And he sent me as a prayer compassion missionary in 1999. So I started working, just doing whatever. I, I, I'd say, God, I have no idea what I'm doing. And whatever he put in my hand, I gave it away. Wherever he told me to go, I went. Whoever he told me to see, I saw. I just obeyed. I love what Dr. Young he chose says. I hear and I obey. That's it. Yes. That's it. You said God didn't call you to build the church. He called you to build his kingdom. Now yes. explain what you mean by that. Jesus is the head of the church. He said, I'll build my church. Mm. Okay, so Jesus is the head of the church. What happened is I was so consumed with what happened in the four walls of the church mm -hmm. that I didn't have a biblical worldview for anything outside of the four walls. Yeah. So when I say that I was gripped with a heart for the kingdom, what I mean by that is it's not, no longer my denomination, my church, my people, my friends, what, what I like, my ministry. It's his. It's his world, his church, his people. Everything shifted. I yeah. saw it through a different lens. And because of that experience, um, literally, God spoke to me out of Luke. Um, sorry, on the top of my head, I can tell you the verse. I can't tell you the exact spot. It says he sent them out two by two into every city he was about to show his face. Oh. And so God sent me out to a city with just me and my daughter, Bethany. That was it. Mm -hmm. And as I got sent out from this local church, they did not get this concept at all. And so it was very hard for them to not only believe what had happened to me, but encourage me to follow uh, what God had put in my heart to do. It became a very uncomfortable battle. And so through it, I learned a lot of things. I was angry at God for upsetting the whole apple cart. I'd been at this church for 20 years. Mm -hmm. I loved the pastor and his family. I loved the church. And now God's sending me out. And now there's a, a relational conflict. Yeah. And I'm a woman under authority. I believe in submission. And now God's telling me to do something. My pastor said, no, that's not part of our mission. That's not the city that we're going after. That's not God. And I'm like, oh, snap, I'm in trouble because <laughs> how do I obey God and stay? I don't, I, I was so conflicted. Yeah. And it wasn't until I met Pastor Doug, but w that's another segment about talking about yeah. mentors. The book is really about God sending an ordinary girl into a city where there were low-income distress, drug problems, prostitution, all of this kind of stuff that I had not been exposed to at all. <laughs> and here I am, I'm like in a city, not knowing what the heck to do. And what does God do? He leads me to this woman. She's known as the worst drunk in the city of Haverhill. She drank mm -hmm. straight vodka. She literally tried to beat up policemen. I mean, she was a raving maniac and God used me to get her saved. And so in the book, it has a lot of stories about how God would lead me to places, to people, he gave me the resources, miracles happened. I mean, amazing things. It's just a testimony of our amazing God. So before you started writing the books, you lived a lot of life. I mean, it's they're written in the books, but where did it all start? Being raised in an alcoholic family, not exposed to Christ at all, not, you know, understanding anything with the Bible, never saw a Bible. Um, I got saved when I was 26 years old. I went mm. to a Catholic charismatic renewal service and I got healed. That's when it started when I was 26. But because and I'm not faulting, I'm just identifying, because the church was not really equipped with deliverance and healing, they didn't know what to do with people like me. Yeah. So at one point, being an alcoholic myself, being very distressed, very disturbed, and I will say showing signs of mental instability, mm -hmm. um, as is in my family bloodline, 
uh, went to the pastor of the church that I was attending and I lied to him. I said, my husband's going to kick me out because I come to this church. Well, that's not why he was going to kick me out. He was going to kick me out because he was tired of coming home, me laying in vomit. Mm. And so it was difficult. And so I was searching, as I said before, for deliverance. And I, and I just, I couldn't find it in the local church. So I ended up in a, a really great, awesome Bible teaching church and served there for 20 years. Um, and that's the church that I got sent out to. What happened is when I got sent out, the Lord sent me out. The church didn't send me out. That's a big difference. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. And the Lord sent me to a church in Lowell, Massachusetts, which was 25 minutes south of the city I was called to. And I was really ticked off about that. I'm like, what the heck? I, I don't want to be in Lowell. I want to be in Haverhill. And anyway, it was a God appointment to meet who is now my pastor. And I've been under his leadership for going on 18 years. And in 2005, I had been with him one year, told him all about Somebody Cares and the work in the city. He said, how can I serve you? And I thought, I've never had a pastor ask me how they can serve me. Yeah. And I said, well, um, I'm leaving behind when I leave this church, my license and ordination. I'm leaving behind all of my resources, my friends. I'm leaving everything. I'm not going to leave a trail for anyone to find me. What I'd love to see is a church planted in the city that I'm called to, but I'm not called to plant it. I'm a prayer compassion missionary. I'm not a pastor. Not that I hadn't pastored. I had. I'd been a youth pastor for 10 years, an associate pastor for two. I wanted nothing to do with pastoring, not because I don't love people. I don't mm -hmm. like the minutia, yeah. the jots and tittles, the crossing the T's and dotting the I's and the paperwork and all the stuff and the building maintenance and blah. Lord have mercy. I don't play political games well at all. Yeah. And that's part of, <laughs> part of the problem I was running into. So anyway, we spent a year in prayer while I was at his church that first year. And at the end of the year, he said, I found the pastor for the church. And I said, awesome. Who is it? He said, it's you. I said, I'm not applying for the job. And he said, tell me why. I said, because pastors don't have time to pray and they don't have time to be with people. And I want to pray and I want to be with people. Mm. And he said, what kind of a pastor was Jesus? And I said, well, he was a praying pastor and he was a people pastor. And he said, then go do likewise. I said, that's my job description. He said, yes. I said, that's a good one. Yeah. See, he's from the Middle East. He has a biblical worldview that's very different than Western Christianity. Anyway, we planted uh, Community Christian Fellowship, which really uh, the LLC is CCF Ministries of Haverhill. Mm -hmm. And so we pl I planted that in 2005. And we're a church that was planted in the city for the low-income distressed, for the addicts, for the prostitutes, for the people that have mental illness. God has used us uh, through Somebody Cares uh, for us to start a lot of initiatives in the city that were never done before, that have been not only recognized by the city, but then I passed it on for the city to maintain it. So It's interesting that you didn't have a big plan when you started all of this. Nope. You just said yes to the Lord, sometimes yep. kind of kicking your heels about it. But yep. you said yes, you went forward, and God gave you that plan step by step and opened doors that you probably never would have thought were going to be opened. Never. Never thought. You know, you mentioned Pastor Najim as one of the people who, key people who really influenced your life, I'm sure there have been others, God has used to open some of these doors. Um, and these aren't the social media kind of influencers. I mean, they are really godly influencers that are hearing the Lord and, and about building the kingdom, not their own, not their own empires, but really kingdom builders, which is what we're all called to. Tell us a little bit about how some of that happened and who they were. Well, when I watched the first transformation video, what happened is I got a flyer from Utica, New York. At that time, it was called uh, Mount Zion uh, Ministries in Utica, Pastor Mike Savello Sr. And on the flyer, it had three of the speakers that were from the first transformation video. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're five hours away from me. I'm going to go see them. So I went to a compassion conference, Kalasana Kandia, uh, Pastor Harold Caballeros, and gosh, my brain, sorry, happened sometimes, <laughs> another one. So anyway, they were the keynote speakers. And when I was there, man, I got so blasted, so blessed. And Pastor Mike Savello um, didn't know me from Adam. He just said to me, he met me through the conference and stuff. And we talked and he said, Marlene, whatever I can do to help you. And I'm like, again, here's a pastor saying, what can I do to help you? And I'm like, help me? You want to help me? I'm not even a part of your church. You want to help me? He said, we've got a warehouse and we've got resources and the work you're doing in the city. We just want to bless you. And I'm like, hello, who does this? <laughs> so I started bringing tractor trailer trucks into our city every year for big block parties with upwards of 2,000 people that we'd serve. But we'd also bless agencies in the community. So Depends would come in, we'd bless the elderly community. Mm, yeah. uh, diapers would come in, we'd bless pregnancy care center. So we have a drop-in center. The drop-in center needed medicine. We gave them the medicine. So this relational net that we built with the community because of these tractor trailer trucks, and I will say the open doors that came even through the city because of this. The mayor came down one day and he was like, who's doing this? And wow. um, so, I mean, it just, it's pretty amazing. So Pastor Mike Savello, I would say, was probably the first time that I experienced before meeting uh, the others. Then from there, I met Pastor Doug Stringer, uh, 2002 at The Call New York. Again, I got this man saying to me, I want to come and serve you. And I'm like, I, who are these people? Pastors want to serve people. I've never heard of such a thing. And I, and I didn't know how to answer him. How can you serve me? He said, listen, you know, the chapters, the Somebody Cares chapters, you don't have to be one. We just want to add to whatever God's doing in your city. You're the, you're the person of peace in that city that God's using. We just want to be a blessing. Mm. And I said, I don't even know what to say. And he said, well, how about if I come and just walk the streets and pray with you? And I'm like, what? I don't have a budget. I can't put you in a hotel. You can sleep on my couch in the basement, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and bless his heart. He came, he walked the city with me. And one of the things he said was, which I saw on the transformation videos. And I heard when I was at pastor Mike's is he said, Marlene, you have the DNA of city transformation. Mm. And that's what happened to me that day. I watched that video. Now, why can others watch that video? And that doesn't happen to them. I have no idea. Because I've shown that video high and low and wide and far as to anybody that will watch them. As a matter of fact, I'm the uh, New England Regional Director for the Sentinel Group. So I have access to these videos and I get them out to people. So I met Pastor Doug Stringer, 2002. That changed everything. He came to Haverhill. We did some meetings. And he's so funny because when he came, I was still at the church. I hadn't left yet. Mm -hmm. The one that didn't embrace the... And I said to him, I said, Pastor Doug, whatever you do, don't mention Haverhill and the mission there because they're really not excited about that. They see it as something that's pulling away from the people here instead of really adding. They didn't want the people that I was ministering to in the streets to come to our church. Oh. It was a country church. They were yeah. city people. They were inner city issues and they weren't prepared for them. So I said, whatever you do, don't mention Haverhill. Don't mention me. <laughs> so <laughs> what's he do? He mentions Haverhill. He mentions me. And he says, and thank you so much for the offering that you took for me, but I'm going to give it to Marlene Yo for the work she's doing in Haverhill. And I went, oh, snap, I'm going to get arrested. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Not literally, not literally. <laughs> no, not literally. Just, you know, I'm going to be put in jail now. And I couldn't believe he did that. 
but he's a man of God and you're not going to tell the Holy Spirit and the man of God what to say and not to say. He's going to do exactly what God leads him. Yeah. So I thank God for that. And we became a chapter in celebrating 20 years of Somebody Cares New England. 20, 20 years. years. And so I know. much has happened. I mean, if you look so back much. at what you started, where you started, and yeah. all that God has done in the past yeah. 20 years, it seems like it should have been 50. I know. Well, you know, but in that God's scripture timeline, verse, things happen. In that scripture verse that I said, he sent them out two by two into every city. He was about to show his face. I left yeah. off and it says, don't take a money bag. Don't take any extra coats and just go. And I'm like, I had nothing. Yeah. I left with nothing. And it, God has given me everything that I have today. And it's been miraculous. No government funding. And I'm not faulting those that do. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. I'm just saying for us, no government funding. Amen. It's been by his spirit. Well, you know, you talked about some of these key influencers that uh, really sewed into your life. And one of the things that this podcast is about is raising up an army of women who will be that kind of encourager and influencer to orphans around the world. Um, Somebody Cares has now a Widows and Orphans Fund where we can come alongside and help widows who have served uh, the Lord throughout their lives and are now um, wanting and as well as come alongside uh, partners of ours who have uh, orphanages and children's homes to help meet special needs of those children, um, things that they wouldn't necessarily have the ability to, uh, to have, like special wheelchairs or uh, ramps for special needs children, um, and also to help some of those children who are specially gifted in areas receive the nurture that they need to be all that God wants them to be. So if you want, listener, dear listener, dear friend, if you want to be a part of doing that, you can go to hergodstory.com and give to the Widows and Orphan Fund. Join us in being those influencers and encouragers for the next generation of children who God wants to use to do mighty things in the days to come. But getting back to your story, Marlene, in the midst of all that you've done, I know you've had some rough patches. I mean, you've talked about a few of them. Uh, what has been really your, maybe your biggest challenge or your biggest failure? And what did you learn from that experience? Well, I can't say I have the biggest mm. because they're all pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what would be, but I'll tell you what one, one prophet said to me one time. He said, I see your life in about every seven to 10 years, the enemy came in like a flood trying to literally not only destroy your life, but literally cancel you out. Mm. So this fourth book that I'm writing, mm-hmm. it's a book, um, and what it is, it's called, and I'm going to answer your, your, that for a second. Sure. It's called um, Gain Understanding, and Then We Will Talk. It's a scripture verse taken from Job 18.2. Job's one of my favorites, and I don't think you'll find too many people No, I don't think that so. Say that. <laughs> we, we don't want a life of Job, typically. No, we don't. But I'm going to tell you what, I have learned so much. This is what Job said. I had heard of you by the hearing of my ears, but now I see you. Mm. So what I've gone through has revealed who God is to me in a greater measure than I could have ever known if I hadn't gone through those things that I went through. Now, in this book, what I'm writing about, it's a book for men and women. It's about the women in the Bible and the men in their life. So I go through the different chapters, talk about the women and the men in their life. Through it, I've also asked women that I've ministered to through our deliverance and healing ministry. I say, can I anonymously use your story without identifying you? Mm-hmm. so that it reiterates it's not just a Bible story, but these are real women that have been through these kind of things, like the woman today. at the well. Yeah, yeah. today. I have, a, I have a personal acquaintance that I've done ministry for, and she was married six times. 
She's a believer. And so I asked, can I tell your story? Won't identify you. So I get to tell my story of some of those very dark, tragic things in my life mixed in with the stories of these other women, all Mm -hmm. anonymous, and nobody knows if it's me or them or who. So I get to tell it. So what is the worst? I... I can't go through those right now because it has to be anonymous. <laughs> sure. Well, um, a but, challenge or failure that yes. you learn so, something so from. I'm facing two challenges right now. The one that you're aware of, uh, December 15th, my son passed away. Yeah. And that was very tragic and very sudden. Um, he did have three very critical health issues already at work in his body before he got COVID. Mm-hmm. And as the doctor said, as a 47-year-old young man or 46, he would have been 47 February, he should have been able to, you know, get over this. But he had three other critical health issues at at work. And he said he went into this already critical. So we lost him December 15th. That was just 10 days before Christmas. Uh, He's left a wife, a widow, and children. Two adult children, two adult girls, and then a son, 13 years old, who's really struggling. So that's been hard. Um, But let me tell you this. What happened is there were three particular videos that God made sure I saw. One was about the story about the little boy Colton Burpo, who uh, the movie Heaven is for Real was made about, and Uh there's a book. The other was by Jesse Duplantis. Jesse was caught up to heaven. As a matter of fact, uh, the Burpo boy was not dead. He got caught up. God took him, but he didn't die. Jesse Duplantis was taken, but he didn't die. And then a pastor in Australia, his name is Alwyn Matthews. He got taken up, but he didn't die. Mm -hmm. So the stories that they told about heaven. Now we've read the book, the Bible, and we know no more tears, no more sorrow, you know, all no sickness, no, all this stuff. But I'm telling you what, to hear the personal testimony of three people that were actually in the presence of God and told stories, they don't know each other. The stories complemented each other, Mm -hmm. confirmed each other, and yet they were different from each other. The little boy, it was all about seeing family. Jesse Duplantis, it was all about the rewards in heaven for the Mm -hmm. people of God. It was unbelievable. And then the last one, Alwyn Matthews, was about the church in heaven. Mm. I never thought about that. God showed him the church in heaven, and he talked to him about the impact of the church now that that Alwyn could not have couldn't seen without having gone to heaven. Wow. It was amazing. So watching these three videos, something happened to me. God used them as a divine appointment. And this is what happened to me, Jody. I went from the sorrow and the sadness of the loss of my son into the joy and the rejoicing of what he has now. Mm-hmm. And it's what every one of us want for the people that we love. That it was good. so beautiful. It shifted me just like those transformation video, that transformation video shifted me. Yeah. I had a different biblical perspective. I have a different biblical perspective, not only of heaven, but of now because of what I saw and heard. So Mm -hmm. I encourage that to anybody. We're still, you know, dealing with, you know, fallout from that with the children and different things like that. We're doing what we can. We've started a college fund for my grandson. So every, my son passed um, December 15th. His birthday was February 23rd. And two days after his birthday, we welcomed a new baby boy into our family. That's beautiful. What a gift. Um, So every birthday of Brandon's, every anniversary, every Christmas, every holiday, anytime that we would have celebrated anything as a family, we put aside money for the fund for Braden's College. 
Um, that's my grandson's name, Braden. Get to spend time with him now more than ever, and it's beautiful. And so that's amazing. So that's that's one of the things. But in my book, the last one that I'm writing, I think it's the last. <clears throat> the the, <laughs> the chapter current one on, you're writing. The current one. It's about Na- Naomi. Naomi lost her husband, and then she lost her two sons. Yeah. And I have had such revelation from the Lord writing about loss of loved ones. So much so that I'm just ex- I'm ecstatic that I'm writing a book that I can share it with other people. And so what happened is uh, Lou Engel had called me. My daughter is licensed and ordained under Lou. Her and her husband, they have a church in Boston. Lou called to congratulate me and on our new ad- addition to the family. And he also called to see how our family's doing in the recovery from the loss with Brandon. Well, Lou has lost a grandson this year. Mm. And so I was sharing with him about the chapter and what I'm learning from Naomi's life. And, but also what I'm learning from God that he's downloading in me because of what I've walked through. And, you know, Lou, he goes, I got to read that book. I got to read that book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now I had had a prophetic word many years ago saying, you're going to have an opportunity to minister to Lou Engel. And I laughed at the person that gave it to me. And like Sarah laughed. And I said, you have no idea the man surrounded by prophets. There's no way I'm going to have anything to minister to Lou Engel. Well, when Lou said, I got to read that book, I said, well, Lou, I'll send you the chapter. He said, send me more than the chapter. And I said, if you're willing to read the book, would you be, in, would you be willing to endorse it? And he said, absolutely. So there you have it. You know, I ministered to Lou Engel from what yeah. God had downloaded in me. And, you know, you, have, you never should minimize. You know, I minimize that I'm just a donkey. But in reality, what that means is we're a carrier of Jesus' presence. There's nothing great about us. You take the presence of Jesus out of our life, and what are we? I'm nothing without him. I know what I was before him. Trust me. I am nothing without him. So anyway, it's just kind of amazing. I forget what you were asking me because I went all over the place. No, did I that answer was good. you? Yeah, did I you did. Answer what you yeah. asked. Okay, good. You, <laughs> you know, you've kind of given a little advice for people who find themselves in a similar situation. I mean, my husband and I lost a son two years ago in the middle of COVID. It wasn't from COVID. He was waiting for a kidney transplant. He was estranged from us. Uh, We had been praying for him for years, reaching out to him for years. He knew Christ when he was young, but had walked away. There was evidence that he was reading the Bible before he passed. So we have faith and belief that God is faithful because we prayed for him constantly and lifted him up to the Lord and reminded God of his promises over his life. So we have faith that God in the end brought him back to himself. But we don't, you know, we won't have confirmation of that until we get into the presence of the Lord ourselves. So many people have suffered great loss in these in these last few years. What what advice can you give people who who've who have? Well, that's funny you should say the little boy, um, Colton Burpo in the, the movie there. He saw his great-grandfather. This relates to what you shared. He saw his great-grandfather when he came back from the vision in heaven. He told his dad, he said, I saw, I think he called him Papa. He said, we had no idea that my father, who was this boy's grandfather, even had a relationship with Christ, and yet he was in heaven. Mm. See, there were people that will have a relationship with God, and they're not comfortable sharing it with other people necessarily. We don't know the hearts of men and women. We always have to have the hope. That right up until the last breath, God is so faithful. God is so good. When I went to minister to my uncle before he passed, he said to me, Marlene, is my mother in heaven? I said, yes. I said, I led her to the Lord. And he said, then I'll burn in hell. I don't want to be anywhere she is for eternity. 
That's how much suffering in my mother and my, my um, family's life from this precious woman who was bipolar as well. It's her, it was in our family bloodline, mental illness. But I had led my grandmother to the Lord in her 90s. She repented and she confessed Christ. So here's my uncle saying, I'll burn in hell. Well, he said it in front of his children while I was there. They'd called me in to pray for him. And they were heartbroken. They were mortified. But here's the good news. Just before passing, he called for someone and said, I want to be right with God. Oh. See, we don't know. And all it takes is them to say, Lord, Lord. Amen. Hey, on the cross, the thief. Yeah. What must, you know, Jesus said, you're going to enter into the kingdom with me today. I don't see the man saying the sinner's prayer. He didn't say what we call the sinner's prayer. Right. It was his heart was right. His heart cried out. And the Lord said, you're going to be with me today in paradise. Amen. So we just have to hold on to the hope. Yeah. Well, I know we, we, uh, we still have some other uh, ones that we are dear, dear loved ones that we are praying for and believing. And we know that God has promised Though you train up a child in the way he will go, he when he's old, he won't depart from it. And I have to remember that it doesn't say all their life they won't depart depart from it. It says when they're old, they won't depart from it. So some people stray along the way, but God is faithful. When we keep lifting them up before the Lord, and reminding Him of the Word, His Word, and declaring His promises over their lives, He is faithful and He yes. is able. He's able, and He's, he's willing. Able. and He's willing. <laughs> he's willing. He is willing. His love yeah. is so great. So I think the only other transition is being that I'm turning 70, I am at the stage of life that I'm passing mantles on to the next generation. Uh, Pastor Lori Jane Simma, she's been with me 17 years, and uh, we're passing on to her, directing, you know, somebody cares New England. And so while Doug's here, we're going to lay hands on her and really just make it from the authority, the head over me all the way down. And so that's exciting. And then as far as the church goes, because as I've planted another church, uh, Renaissance City Church, which was mm. two years ago with Pastor Dave and Pastor Donna Hanshamaker. Um, they're the lead pastors, but I'm the lead elder. And um, so I, I will be spending uh, two Sundays a month with Renaissance and then two Sundays a month with CCF on the Hill. And so that's an amazing opportunity. That's college and career age and performing and creative artists and business people and entrepreneurs. And it's a whole nother world than the world on the Hill with all the poor, low income, distressed and addicts and all of that. So I get to be in the best of both places and be a part of what God's doing. So, but the transition's difficult. When you birth a church, you birth a ministry, you, you pour not, you know, you're, it's your life, it's your sweat, it's your equity, it's your blood, it's your tears, it's everything. And so releasing that to people is difficult. It's emotionally difficult. So, yeah. but it doesn't mean I'm disappearing or quitting. It just simply means the next generation is coming up. So yeah, that's, God, a, that's God's a, moving you to a new level, yeah, as he yep. always does. He always moves us to a new level or a new season. I know there have been times in my life where I sewed into one thing and I was all into that. And then all of a sudden, the grace for that particular ministry lifted and I felt total release. And I walked away thinking, I don't know how I did that in all of those times. It wasn't that I hated it. I loved it. But just the energy it takes to do that. But when God's grace is on something... You can do exceedingly abundantly above what you could even think you could do because when God empowers you to do it, it's, it's easy. It's like mounting up on eagle's wings, right? We can run and not be weary. We can walk and not faint. I know that you are always leaning into God and always hearing what his heart is. So what is God encouraging you with lately? I guess we could maybe identify what's happening in the world and how we're encouraged in that. Um, 
you know, the Bible says, believe my prophets and so shall you prosper. But not everybody who prophesies is a true prophet. There are some true voices that I have come to learn over the years that what they've said has come to pass. Mm -hmm. And I listen to first and foremost scripture. I listen to the Holy Spirit in my own heart. Yeah. And then I, re I do look at, I don't rely upon, but I do look at what the prophets are saying. And one of those prophets is Kim Clement. Mm -hmm. And he had a prophecy about Putin and about Ukraine. He had, pro and that was in 2014. Yeah. So there are the ones that have their, by the way, Kim Clement is no longer with us. He's passed away. He has, he's not even lived to see the things that he prophesied about. Yeah. So like many, like many prophets in the Old Testament. Many prophets. And I wonder if it's because we would worship them. Don't you wonder? The human heart I mean, is a very so, uh, yeah, we're so idolatrous thing. Yep. So who knows? John the Baptist, I must decrease so that he can increase. Who knows if the Lord takes them? And that's one of the things that I've learned too, Jody. Through it all, with losing my son, um, I thought about this. Jesus came as a baby. He lived 33 years on the earth. Now, if I were God, I would have let him live a lot longer. He could have done a whole lot more, right? He could have cleaned us up. Could have taken care of business. But he, he commissioned the business, the fathers, the kingdom business to us. And that's kind of like what I'm doing at the church, passing the mantle. He passed the mantle onto the 12, and they've, it's been passing down ever since, from Jesus ever since. But here's the thing. Yeah. He died at 33 years old. Now, one of the things that Colton Burpo said as a little boy, four years old, going to heaven, is he said, Papa wasn't old. But Papa was old when he died. And he told his father, he said he was young, Dad. He was young. So they took out a picture when Papa was younger. And about 30 years old, the, the boy points to a picture of his grandfather that he never met when he was 30 years old. He says, that's what Papa looks like. And his father was like, wow. Papa had wrinkles and glasses. He's like, no, Papa looks like that. And so what I realize is if Jesus died at 33, I wonder if that was the age that Adam and Eve sinned. Because everything he did was intentional. Everything he did was about restoration and redemption. Everything. So if we go to heaven and we're not old, we're about 30-ish. Who knows? I don't know. Who knows? But, what I, Who but knows? what I realize, I know, right? But what I realize is in yeah. heaven, this is what everybody has said. There's no old people. They're at yeah. the age that we were meant to live eternally. That's something. Mm. So we get a new body. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Anyway, the point is, is that what we're talking about right now, about the transition, what's happening in the world and what's encouraging to me right now, as I listen to the word of God, I listen to the Holy Spirit, and I listen to men of God who have their pulse on the prophetic timeline of where we're at yeah. now. I am encouraged. I'm not discouraged. It has been written, these will be dark times. Men's hearts will fail because of the trauma and the tragedy and the tribulation and all of the things that are happening. But the Bible, Jesus says, rejoice. Now, how do you get happy and rejoice in the middle of all the darkness? It's the biblical worldview you have. If your worldview is on the politics or your worldview is on medicine or your worldview is on the economy, you're going to suffer. But if your eye is on the Lord and what he says and what he's doing, you will have rejoicing. It brings me back to really two scriptures that you have shared with me, uh, a kind of life scriptures for you, but one of them is in 2 Corinthians 10. 
It says, we are mighty in God to pull down the strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself up against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ Jesus. And that's really what you were talking about right there. We can get our focus so on what is going on in the world that we take it off of God and obedience to God. And we have to take those thoughts captive and cast them down and pull down the vain philosophies of this age and replace them in our minds, of course, with the help of the Holy Spirit, allow the Holy Spirit to do it with a kingdom mentality and truth from God's perspective. And it's a warfare. This is where the war is, in the head. When the head's sick, the whole body's sick. And there has been documentation. I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Caroline Leaf. She's a born-again, spirit-filled doctor. And she talks about the, the scientific and the biblical connection between what you think in your mind. And the scripture talks about what a man thinks in his heart. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the thinking, and that's what that scripture verse you just quoted, is all about pulling down thoughts. Yeah. Every thought that comes across our mind, we have to hold it in light of truth. If it's not truth from the word of God, if it's not truth from the Holy Spirit, then do not receive it. And it's hard work. And that's yeah. what a lot of people don't want to do. They don't want to do the hard work of having a mind of peace. Yeah, I have been a believer for a long time. I got saved when I was six years old. But still, I find myself at times having to stop and say, no, that is a vain thought. I have to capture that thought and tear it down and replace it with the truth of God. And I mean, it's sometimes it's a daily battle when the things of the world are like they are today. Um, I really guard my mind with what I allow in my eyes and in my ears. I have to limit what I hear from a secular standpoint and really focus on the truth of God. Of course, we can't stick our head in the sand like an ostrich and not know anything that's going on in the world, but we have to filter everything through the scripture and through the word of God and through what he is saying about us and about the end where he is victorious and he will be glorified. We don't end with a whimper. <laughs> no, we don't. We end, end with a victory. <laughs> That's right. Amen. That's right. And we're not going out Amen. on a donkey either. We're going out on a horse. <laughs> Are there a couple books or two? I mean, you've mentioned a lot of resources and just so if you're listening, um, we will have these resources, links to them, links to the videos, links to the articles uh, in our show notes. So if you want to watch these transformation videos or these videos about heaven, check out the show notes. We will put those links there for you. Do you have any books or uh, that you'd like to recommend in addition to the three that you've written so far and the one that's coming out? Well, you know, it's so funny. When I was in school, the 12 years, you couldn't get me to read a book. And since being a believer, hungry for the word, hungry to know truth, hungry mm -hmm. to gain insight into many things, I've become an avid reader. I can't tell you over these 40 plus years that I've been a Christian, I think it's 46 years, what book stands out to me. But I will tell you in what we're discussing here uh, about this journey to transformation and you know personal transformation, I will say this. I believe that Doug's book, Mending the Net, which was the Somebody Cares book, it's new revision, and that's the new title, Mending the Net. If people are interested mm -hmm. in really being involved with seeing transformation in their church or in their community, read that book. The other book, as a leader, I recommend, of course, his book, Leadership Awakening, is amazing, and the, and the DVDs or the videos. 
phenomenal, phenomenal teaching, phenomenal principles. Uh, it's a go-to book. It's not like you read it once and put it down. You can teach from it. You, it's gonna, you have to revisit it over and over again. But there's something else that is also, now a lot of people would be like, that's not a Christian book, but it's called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Hmm. You talk about the practical nuts and bolts of being a, I, I don't want to use the highly successful. I don't mean it like you earn millions of dollars and success that way, but as a person for your soul, mm -hmm. for your soul to prosper, there are biblical principles in this book. If you will put into practice what it says, my goodness, your personal life will change because they are biblical principles. The writer doesn't write as if they're biblical principles, but as you read, you're like, oh, I know that verse. I know that principle. That's this chapter in the Bible. So I went through his whole book writing chapters and verses of Bible scriptures in the book. So I teach it. I live it. And we're teaching at our youth center for our children, ages 7 to 11 and 12 to 18. They get seven habits of highly effective teens. And so it's biblical principles you know, in practical way. When I was in graduate school, one of the things that one of my first professors said was, all truth is God's truth. No matter where it's found, if it's truth, it came from God. And we don't have to be afraid of it. Of course, we have to filter everything that's coming in from sources. Well, everything that's coming in from all sources, we have to filter by the word of God. But if it's truth, it came from the Lord. So we don't need to be fearful of it and fearful of the source. Yeah. You know, Song um, of Solomon, I think you know, it's chapter one, verse six says, they made me a keeper of the vineyard, but I did not keep my own. We can be busy taking care of our families, taking care of our church, taking care of our city, but not take care of ourselves. And just like they say on the plane when you're bored, if we're going to have a problem and the air masks come down, put it on your face first so you can help somebody else. And that's we. I think there's such a lack in the body of Christ. It's not selfishness. We're not talking about narcissism, about you know pampering yourself and just being a big baby. We're talking about taking care of yourself so you can be useful in the kingdom of heaven. Well, as we wrap up, I just wanted to uh, share a couple things that came to mind as we were talking, Marlene. One of them is um, in the book of Acts, Peter and John were preaching boldly. Uh, Acts, Acts chapter four, they were preaching boldly and they got arrested and the members of the council started questioning them. And uh, in verse 13, it says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Ordinary men doing extraordinary things because they had been with Jesus. And it brings me to Daniel 11, verse 32b, the second part of the verse. It says, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. That is a verse to me that exemplifies your life, Marlene, and anyone who really determines in their heart to know God, to take seriously what you just said, know God first in yourself, be built up in yourself to know God, and he will have you do exploits. Won't be the same as Marlene, won't be the same as what God has me doing or what God has your pastor doing or what God has someone else doing. It will be uniquely suited for you because God designed you for good works in advance. That's another verse in Ephesians. He prepared in advance good works for you to do. And if you will know God, he will show you what they are and lead you into amazing, amazing, amazing things. 
Thank you, Marlene, so much for sharing your story. And we could have talked all day long. I can't wait till we're in the same room again. We're talking on the phone today. I can't wait till we're in the same room again. And you can give me all the gory little details. But for listeners out there, please check out the show notes for a link to Marlene's book, ministry, the videos, the scriptures we've referred to, as well as the book she suggested. And check out our podcast webpage at hergodstory.com. We have blogs there. We have free resources. And find out how you can join us in supporting the Somebody Cares Widows and Orphans Fund. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to call or text the Somebody Cares 24-7 prayer line. We'd love to pray with you. That number is 855-459-CARE. 855-459-CARE, or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org, prayer at somebodycares.org. Thank you so much for joining us today. Join us again for another episode of Her God Story. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.